In today's teaching, we will learn how Joshua prepared the Israelites to cross the Jordan River in preparation to conquer the Promised Land. Let us now join Dr. Ruth and learn more. Welcome. This is Dr. Ruth. I am excited you are with me today as we continue our study out of the book of Joshua. And in today's session, I will cover chapters 3 and 4. As you recall, hopefully you have listened to the introduction and chapters 1 and 2. At the end of chapter 2, we talked about how the spies that Joshua had sent to spy Jericho had returned to him with a positive and encouraging report. So Joshua and the entire Israelite community were ready to cross the Jordan and possess the promised land. So we pick it up today in chapter 3. So what is the gist of chapter 3? The gist of this chapter is preparation to cross the Jordan heading into the promised land. So I begin by reading the first few verses to set the stage. So I begin to read Joshua chapter 3 verse 1. And if you remember, I am teaching and reading out of the NIV translation. And if I have to use any other translation, I will let you know. So Joshua 3 verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. Verse 2. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, verse 3, giving orders to the people, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Verse 4, Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 3,000 cubits before, between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Let's pause. A few things happen in here. Let's go back to verse 3. Where others were given to the Israelites to watch for the ark of the covenant. If you remember, if you've been listening to my teaching, we discussed the ark of the covenant in the book of Exodus. Specifically, Exodus chapter 37. I recommend you go there and refresh your memory. But real quick, for those of you who are listening to me for the first time, the Ark of the Covenant was a precious, precious, a sacred Ark for the Israelites. Because, number one, it was made out of gold and in a rectangular boxed shape. In the Ark of the Covenant which was located in the Holy of Holies, in it was the tablets of the Ten Commandments, which the Lord gave to Moses. We talked about this in the book of Exodus. So the tablets of the Ten Commandments were stored right there in the Ark of the Covenant. And then a jar of manna, we talked about uh, this as well. Manna was the miraculous food or bread that the Lord fed 
The Israelites, this manna came from heaven and fed the Israelites during their 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And then in the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron, the first high priest staff. So the staff of the high priest Aaron was also in the Ark of the Covenant. And this staff uh, symbolized God's authority. It was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ, our high priest, priest of all priests. So this Ark of the Covenant was the presence of the true living God among the Israelites. So today we have the Holy Spirit. As New Testament believers, we have the Holy Spirit that indwells all of us who are true believers, leading and guiding us unto all righteousness. But back then, that Ark of the Covenant symbolized the presence of God in the midst of the Israelites. So the officers were telling the Israelites that when you see the Ark of the Covenant, you follow it because the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the presence of God in their midst, was to lead and guide them through this journey as they were heading towards crossing the Jordan into the promised land because the nation of Israel had not been through this route before. So they had to follow the direction of the Ark of the Covenant. And only the priests from the tribes or the tribe of Levites, the Levitical priests, were supposed to carry this ark. We talked about all of this in the book of Leviticus and Numbers. So you can go back and refresh your memory there. And then the one last thing I want to point out in these first few verses is found uh, towards the end there of verse 4, that the Israelites were told to keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Uh, 2,000 cubits is approximately slightly over half a mile. That, that, that really goes to show you the holiness of God. God is so holy, he had to train these Israelites to stay really slightly over half a mile from his presence uh, because of his holiness and to train them that, hey, we are sinners, you are holy, and we really have to depend on you and respect your holiness. So those were some of the things I wanted to highlight in those first verses. Moving along here, in verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among among you. This is powerful. We see Joshua in verse 5 verbalizing his faith in the Lord, encouraging the Israelites, telling them to consecrate themselves, meaning to purify their thoughts. If they had any sin in their hearts or among them, they have to repent, confess, get rid of it, prepare themselves in, before the encounter with the Lord, prepare themselves spiritually, physically, so that they can experience God's miracle in their midst. And this principle is still applicable to us today. We, as Christians, cannot approach Holy God on our own merit. We have to approach God with purity of heart. We have to, if there is sin, impurity in our hearts, in our thoughts, we have to repent of that before we approach Holy God 
Plus, we cannot approach God on our own merit. We can only approach God through Jesus Christ. Because as much as we try to purify our thoughts, get rid of all sinful thoughts and ways in our lives, we are sinful people. We have to rely on Jesus Christ as our intercessor to intercede on our behalf because Jesus Christ is the only was the only perfect and sinless man. So we must approach God through Jesus Christ. Okay? So a very similar concept here where the Israelites had to consecrate themselves and purify themselves before experiencing that miraculous move of God in their midst. Glory to God. Jesus is Lord. I'm glad you are with me today, friends. As uh, you are listening to me and as you have been blessed, I want to ask you to bless us back with a financial donation so we can produce more of these Bible teachings to reach many, many more people because that is God's deepest desire so we can reach as many people as possible with this uh, message so their lives can be transformed so they can live as overcomers in Christ. Would you like to be a part of that by helping us with a financial donation? The Word of God teaches that whatever you give into His work, God will be certain to bless you back. Let me give you a scripture to stand on as you give into this ministry and you can be certain that God will bless you back. That scripture is Luke 6.38. It teaches give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So as you give into God's work, God will be certain he blesses you back abundantly, exceedingly. And you would be partaking into God's work to advance the good news of Jesus Christ. So friend, would you open your heart to bless us back with a financial donation so we can join hands and together uh, advance God's work? Whatever you give into this ministry, we go right back into this Bible teaching podcast so we can pay for studio time and produce more shows so we can reach many, many more people. So here is how you can give. Our safe and secure website is drruthtanyorg slash donate. Again, drruthtanyorg slash donate. It is safe and secure. You can donate from anywhere in the world. All you need is internet access to make a donation as you are led by the Lord. Or if you live here in the USA, you can donate through Zelle. And the telephone number is nine zero nine five zero one nine zero three one that number is nine zero nine five zero one nine zero three one we also receive donations through cash app the name there is the dollar sign dr ruth tanyi again for cash app the dollar sign dr ruth tanyi friends In the name of Jesus, we thank you for your kind love donations into this ministry. And we pray in the name of Jesus that God in his faithfulness will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. We thank you in advance. So enjoy today's teachings and be blessed. Okay, moving on here. Verse 6, Joshua said to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up. 
and went ahead of them. Following, the priests were obeying instructions from Joshua there. And in verse 7, the Lord reassured Joshua. God said, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Isn't that encouraging? So uh, that was very encouraging to Joshua. I'm sure it would be to me. Verse 8, tell the priest, this is the Lord talking to Joshua now, to tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Oh my goodness, the Lord is about to perform a miracle here. You have to remember the Israelite community, their hearts are open, they've consecrated themselves. Joshua had told the priest to proceed with the Ark of the Covenant. So they have obeyed and God is about to move. I just love it. When we obey God, we can trust that he will move on our behalf. And we are about to find out what he will do here. Verse 9. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. I just love it. How before the Israelites would take that step of faith, Joshua had to encourage them with the word of God because the word of God has power. The word of God is life. Likewise, boy, we have to get up every day and listen and meditate on the word of God so we can step boldly in faith. That was what was happening here. Verse 10. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, and the rest of the heights. You can read that there towards the end of verse 10. Come to verse 11. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, verse 13. And as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream would be cut off and stand up in a heap. Boy, this was encouraging. We see Joshua telling the priest, telling them, encouraging them, after he had Encourage them with the word of God. He is now giving them instructions to prepare that they should step foot into the river and trust God. And he already told them what will happen when they took that step of faith. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. The priest obeyed. Verse 15. Now the Jordan is at flood gate all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, verse 16, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan while the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed 
over opposite Jericho. Let me pause there. What's happening? We see how the Lord chose the perfect time to perform this miracle. If you go back to verse 15, apparently Bible scholars and archaeologists tell us that Verse 15 there, that says, now the Jordan is at floodgate all during harvest. This was a time when the Jordan River was overflowing with a lot of water. A lot of water was overflowing. So it was during this time when the Lord told the people to step their foot onto it, that he would supernaturally cause that overflowing of water to become dry land so they can cross over. Boy, and we see here how the priest obeyed. They took a step of faith. They stepped into the Jordan in that heavy outpour of water. And as they took that step of faith, God honored that. And supernaturally, the water dried up and they walked across the Jordan on dry ground. Obedience. Don't you think God could have just cause that water to dry without the priest stepping on it? Of course, we know that God can do that, but God is pleased when we act in faith. God is pleased when we obey him. You see, this priest and the Israelites had consecrated themselves. Joshua had quickened them with the word of God. Joshua had given them instructions. They believed Joshua. They believed God was with Joshua. They obeyed. Even though they could see the outpour of, of water, by faith, they trusted God. They stepped onto that water. And when they took a step of faith, the water dried. Boy, is there something in your life today that God is speaking to you right now to trust him? to take that step of faith or are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you act friend whatever it is you're going through today god is speaking to you right now trust him take a step of faith and trust him with the rest take a step of faith and trust him with that miracle he is willing all right okay we come to verse 17 the priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. Just like what I was saying, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. We see another display of God's miracle, control over his creation. Just like he did on Red Sea, we see a similar thing here. The waters dried up and the Israelites were able to cross the Jordan on dry ground. Glory to God. That brings us to the end of chapter 3. We continue right away here with chapter 4. So what is the gist of this chapter? The gist of this chapter is we will learn how the Lord would instruct the nation of Israel through Joshua for them to be like a mem memorial of 12 stones as a remembrance that he enabled them to cross the Jordan on dry ground. And we will learn how they will obey by faith. And um, 
So let's get to it. Beginning here with verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, verse 2, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. We see the Lord giving them instructions to pick up 12 stones right in the middle of the Jordan where the priests were standing on dry ground because he's going to give them further instructions how to set up a memorial so they, don't rem so they do not forget. So it will help them to stay focused on him as their deliverer. Verse 4, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the, from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And in verse 5, he gave them the instructions. You can read that over there in verse 5. We come down here to verse 6. Joshua went on to tell them that those 12 men, once the picked up those 12 stones. It is to serve as a sign among you. This is verse 6. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Verse 7, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the uh, Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Just like what I was saying, the Lord wanted them to, to have a memorial of that incident. Just like he is telling us today to not forget his goodness in our lives. He is telling us today to always remember how he has brought us through those trials, through those financial hardships through those marital conflicts, through those relationship issues, how he has delivered us from so many battles in the past. Like I have often said, one of the best antidote against crisis that you may be facing is to meditate on God's goodness, to meditate on how he has delivered you from many, many trials. And as you meditate on his goodness in your life as you meditate on how he has delivered you from many things in the past whatever circumstance whatever problems you are going through right now will shrink in comparison because that will encourage you that if god can do it in the past he will do it again and he is going to do it so that is what is happening here that is the principle behind building or setting up the memorial so the israelites never forget just like we should never forget god's goodness and faithfulness in our lives it helps us to trust in him more and to be more dependent on him and to be assured of his deliverance in whatever crisis we may be facing presently verse 8 so the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. They set up the memorial. In verse 9, 
uh, Joshua set up the 12 stones like he had been instructed by the Lord to do. And we come to verse 10. Now the priest who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over. They crossed over on dry land. We talked about that already. Come to verse 11. And as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord, and the priest came to the other side while the people washed, verse 12, the men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over as well, ready for battle. This is encouraging that they, they followed. Remember, we talked about this, the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, how they had already chosen their land before the nation of Israel crossed over Jordan. But we see here how the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh followed their fellow brethren. They crossed over the Jordan as well to help them to uh, overcome the promised land just as Moses had instructed them. Verse 13, about 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. Awesome, awesome. Verse 14, that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. So we see here in verse 14, how the promise that the Lord made to Joshua in verse uh, 7, in this uh, verse 7 of Chapter 3, the Lord has said in chapter 3, verse 7, that he will exalt Joshua in front of the people. We see that coming to pass here in chapter 4, verse 14. Okay, moving along here, we are in verse 15 here, still in Joshua chapter 4. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. So uh, remember, all of this was happening while the Jordan was was supernaturally dried and the priests were still standing in the middle with the Ark of the Covenant. They picked up the 12 stones and everybody crossed. So now the crossing had been done. Everybody had crossed over uh, from the Jordan River. So the Lord now is giving Joshua further instructions. Verse 17, so, so Joshua commanded the priest come out of the Jordan, verse 18, and the priest came up out of the river carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood gate as before. What this a verse or towards the end of verse 18 is telling us is that the moment the entire nation of Israel crossed over the Jordan River, the, the priest and the Ark of the Covenant crossed over as well. The Jordan River went back to its usual way with lots of water overflowing. That is what that is saying. Just highlighting that this was a true miraculous act of God. He allowed the river to dry 
allow passage for the nation of Israel to go over on dry ground immediately after after all of them crossed over the Jordan River started pouring water again glory to God verse 19 on the 10th day of the first month the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilead on the eastern border of Jericho as we will learn moving forward Gilgal, rather, was uh, the camping place for the nation of Israel during their um, battles to possess the promised land. So we are learning that they camped right there at Gilgal. And in verse 20, Joshua went ahead and set up the 12 stones as instructed by the Lord as a memorial. We've talked about that already. Verse 21, he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents again, what do these stones mean? Verse 22, Joshua told the Israelites to tell the great, great, great grandchildren how the Lord allowed them to cross the Jordan on dry ground. That is what is uh, happening in verse 23 there. Uh, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. I had already explained that in verse 24. Joshua is again telling the uh, people what they should tell their children. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Again, verse 24, Joshua instructing the Israelites that you will tell your children, your great-great-grandchildren, that these 12 stones symbolizes God's power. He is a true living God. Okay, just like I had mentioned earlier, God's faithfulness in our past highlights His presence in our life to remind us that there's nothing we should be afraid of. We should learn to focus on him and to trust him. Just like these 12 stones were supposed to train the Israelites to always remember to always focus on the Lord as their deliverer. That brings us to the end of chapter four. So what are the major principles we have learned from chapters Three and four out of the book of Joshua. Principle number one. God's leading and guiding the Israelites into this promised land with the Ark of the Covenant going before them. We talked about that again in today, in today's era as New Testament believers. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling each of us. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, the Holy Spirit leads and guides us as we navigate through this dark world. The Holy Spirit leads and guides us onto all godly decisions. The Holy Spirit illuminates scriptures to us so we can have the revelation to put it into practice. So the second principle here is we see true Bible faith in operation. I explained that already, crossing the Jordan River, how the priest had to take that first step of faith, trusting God. And it was only when they stepped out in faith, while the water was still overpouring, 
When they took that step of faith to step out, then the miracle happened. I talked about that already. How we have to trust God and take a step of faith in whatever we are believing him for. If we truly want to see God's power and miracles in our lives. And then the third principle is that of the importance of memory. I talked about that. The memorial that the nation of Israel had to those 12 stones was to remind them of God's goodness, help to train them to focus on the Lord for their deliverance and likewise God's uh, victories or the victories we have experienced in our lives in the past. We should never forget those. We should always reflect and meditate on those victories as a way to encourage us to be steadfast and trust more on the Lord in whatever problems we are encountering at the present. So what is the major application here? Major application here is Bible faith. I really want to talk about this uh, for a brief uh, few minutes here. What really is Bible faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the substance, these are the material things that we are believing God for, that financial breakthrough, that breakthrough in our marriage. These are the things we are hoping for, but we don't see evidence yet. But we take the word of God, we take God's promises and we believe them in our hearts. And we meditate on them, knowing that God is able and God is always able. So again, Bible faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Then Hebrews eleven six also said, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, referring to God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So right away, we know that without faith, we cannot please God. And James 2.26 says, faith without corresponding action is useless. So what does all this mean to us practically? Faith is what we are believing God for, that we don't see it yet. And without this Bible faith, we cannot please God. And Bible faith, really, God has given us five to 6,000 promises in his word. These are just promises. But we have to take these promises and believe in them. These promises are things that are available to us in the spiritual realm. When we believe in God's promises, we stand by them and then we act in accordance with our faith. We will be activating our faith and then we will be trusting God with the results. Just like the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they had faith that God would see them through the, through the Jordan River because Joshua had instilled hope in them. Joshua had encouraged them with the word of God. Likewise, whatever you are going through, find a promise in the word of God and stand by that promise, but act on it. Remember, the priest took the Ark of the Covenant and they moved forward when the water was still flowing at its peak. They stepped into that water flowing. Then the miracle happened. So 
Likewise, when you do not act on your faith, it is useless. God does not honor just believing. You have to act on it and then trust God that the results will come. That is really what true Bible faith is. So if you don't have a job, you should not sit at home and just believe in God that a job is going to come knock at your door. No, you have to trust God by faith. Go look for a job, trusting that God will open divine doors and that you will have that job. So in conclusion, our faith has to be active. We have to act on God's promises and trust him with the results. Okay. And then another major application is that of memory. I had already talked about this. We really have to meditate on God's goodness in our lives. We cannot lose hope. We cannot get into a frenzy of fear and attack when we are confronted with problems. Whatever you are facing today, whatever no matter how big the giant is. Slow down, pause, and meditate on how God has delivered you from many battles in the past and just keep trusting him. Because in the same way that he delivered you in the past, he is delivering you right now from whatever problems you have. Okay? In Jesus' name, I hope you receive that. So, Father God, I pray for all of the listeners today. You are such a good God. I just pray that you, Holy Spirit, will teach all of the listeners today how to take that step of faith and trust you with the results. Father God, I pray that they do not lean on their own understanding. I pray that they should lean on you. And as they lean on you, through your Holy Spirit, you are strengthening them right now to step up in faith and trust you with whatever they are believing you for because you are a faithful God. In the same way that you allow the nation of Israel to cross over the Jordan, you cause that water to be dry so they can walk on dry ground. In the same way, you are ready to do a miracle in the lives of all of the listeners. Strengthen them, Holy Spirit, so they can take that step of faith and trust you because you are faithful. Father, I thank you for you are a good God, for you answer prayers. So by faith, I know that this prayer is answered. And in Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Today is a day the Lord has made. So rejoice in it as you proceed with the rest of your day. I am Chris Horam. Goodbye.